Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hey, fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you this fine Thursday, the 16th of March, 2023? Uh, it is a sunny, wonderful, fun-filled day here in San Francisco. The sun is back. Spring is nearly here. Daylight savings time has arrived. Uh, days are longer, more sunshine, more brightness. It's just a, it's one of my favorite times of year. And things are looking fun, right? Uh, just today has been a lot of fun. First of all, um, uh, I don't know if you're on my Twitters, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, but uh, I'm sorry if you do. But if you do, then you will know that I just posted a... Um, I'm trying to get people to watch this video I did for the JetBrains channel on their YouTube, uh, on YouTube.com, IntelliJ Idea. Uh, I did a video on a live stream a couple weeks ago introducing Spring Boot 3.0 with uh, the fabulous E. Mala, you know, e. on Twitter or just Malagupta in real life hosting the episode as well. Uh, and it's, you know, people seem to like it. It's got 53,000 uh, views so far. It's been a couple weeks since it came out. So people are digging it and I hope you'll check that out. Um, I also posted a link to a blog I wrote just this morning uh, looking at the different ways to use uh, uh, Kotlin, Kotlin DSLs across the wide and wonderful world of Springdom. You know, there's, there's, there's all these great possibilities with Kotlin. And uh, I, I did a live stream over on my channel, youtube.com forward slash at coffee software this morning, uh, looking at some of those possibilities. And I decided, gosh, this would be a fun and easy blog to write because I already have the code and I already have the example. So I put that blog together and it's on the spring blog, spring.io forward slash blog. Uh, just really a roving tour of all things Kotlin and DSL. Um, a lot of amazing opportunities there. Some of which is old hat. I'm sure you've seen some of this, but maybe you'll learn something new. I don't know. Sure hope so. Um, the Spring One at VMware Explorer, right? Spring One at Explorer. We're, we're, we're having Spring One, our big tentpole conference, in tandem with the VMware Explorer show uh, this August, right? Early August. So let me see. Spring One. Got I.O. And uh, it's going to be August 21 to 24, 2023, in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada, right? Sin City. So if you want to uh, have a lot of fun, uh, hang out with people, uh, and see the, see the, all the amazing shows, take in the food, uh, see all the uh, you know attractions and all that, come join us uh, in the desert, and we'll learn all about spring. Okay, that'll be a lot of fun. There's going to be spring one. The call for papers is open right now. So please, submit. There's a link at the top of springone.io where you can click on it, and it, the, the CFP closes by 31 March, okay, end of this month, so a couple weeks away or so. There's that. Uh, what else? I just published an ebook. I wrote an ebook about everything you ever wanted to know or didn't want to know uh, about, uh, uh, you know, the Spring Boot 3 uh, AOT engine, the ahead-of-time transformation, ahead-of-time compilation uh, engine designed to support, among other things, GraalVM. And so the ebook is like 50 pages. It's a quick read. Think of it as a very in-depth blog uh, that we ship and distribute in a PDF form. It's free. Just fill out the form and get a copy today. You can read it on your phone and your ebook reader, whatever. Um, and it's just it's just a very in-depth. It starts small, goes from simple to like sophisticated to the point where by the end of it, you'll know how to, as a framework li developer or library maintainer, you'll know how to instrument your own code to to. Uh, augment your own projects uh, so that they too can be used in a GraalVM native image context. It's just an amazing opportunity, right? GraalVM native, native images, I don't need to tell you, you've heard me say it a million and five times, are uncanny in their ability to minimize your memory footprint and to in dramatically increase your startup time. 
just just uh, just you know in terms of like when I say increase, I mean reduce the time and increase the speed of your startup time. So yeah, just an, just to check that out as well. There's a, a, a link to that. You can there's actually a, I created a Bitly link bit.ly forward slash springboot three all one word dash GraalVM G R A A L V M uh, dash ebook right. So springboot three GraalVM ebook with dashes between springboot three and GraalVM and a dash between GraalVM and ebook. Uh, so, you know, all that stuff is there. It's just been a very busy morning. Uh, and here we are. We're on the podcast. I'm super excited. You know, I've been doing these uh, live streams on my, on my on my channel all the time now. I'm just trying to <sighs> keep busy, keep learning, keep, keep going, you know. And uh, there's always something new to explore. And I figured, gosh, it would just be fun to, to do these things in the open. And uh, sure, I make some mistakes every now and then a lot. <laughs> but um, it's just been great. The conversation's been uh, uh, very fulfilling. So I hope you'll join me on those. And one of the reasons you might join me on those is because you can see some of the guests that are being interviewed on this very podcast. So if you prefer a visual medium, join me on my YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to listen to these in- episodes, then of course you're in the right place. This is the podcast. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk to somebody amazing today. Today's guest is Mohammed Ben Asin. He's the uh, lead of Spring Batch. Uh, and we've had him on the show before, uh, obviously, and I encourage you to listen to that episode if you're unfamiliar with the uh, the legendary Mohammed Ben Asin. But if you uh, uh, you know if you haven't listened to the episode, then that's okay. He'll reintroduce himself, and then we get to talk about all the latest and greatest in the wide, wonderful world of Spring Batch. Um, so, my friends, with that, enjoy. Hope you learned something. Hope you get something out of it. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you next. Buddy. Yeah, hello. Can you Can hear me? You hear me I can now? hear you. Yeah. No. Oh, no, no, it's it's okay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, know what good, happened, okay. but <laughs> anyway. Dumb. I, so dumb. Sorry about that. It's not your fault. It's the stupid computers. Uh... <laughs> Technology is great when it works as expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's super bizarre. Um, Quite interesting. Uh, yeah, Simon uh, uh, has been enjoying. I've been on. This is my third live stream of the day, and uh, this is you know they say save the best for last, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> thank here, you. Right? Uh, no, thank you. Um, it's eleven o'clock here, so let me think. Nine hours ahead. Uh, Twelve is be- so eight o'clock. Eight uh, eight twenty. Eight twelve for you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, Rodrigo Garciano. Graciano uh, says Mahmoud is great and he oh, helped thank you. him to he helped to build his Dev Nexus presentation. Thank you, Mahmoud. You I remember are welcome. Yeah. Thank I remember you. Rodrigo reached out to me and I and I, I said you should talk to Mahmoud and I think he was already talking to you, so that's good. You are welcome. <sighs> always glad to help if I can, of course. Of course. Thank and you. you always do. I try my best. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's it's a pleasure oh, so to to, uh, to be on your show. So thank my, you. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I've had you on the show before, right? Yeah, You've been on the exactly. Show before. But just in case people missed that episode, which is uh, you know shame on them, but just in case, uh, what? How would you describe yourself? Can you introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name is Mahmoud, and um, I work on Spring Batch at VMware. I joined Pivotal VMware five years ago now. Oh, wow. That, 
<laughs> yeah, already five years, you see. <laughs> Time flies when you enjoy <laughs> what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so I work mainly on Spring Batch and also other projects from the portfolio where Spring Batch is used. Uh, basically, sometimes I contribute to Spring Boot, uh, Spring Cloud, Dataflow. Uh, Spring Cloud Task. I, Spring Cloud Task as well, yeah. So whatever Spring Batch is used or related, I mean, I, 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 uh, I contribute there. And before that, before joining Pivotal VMware, I worked as a software engineer for many companies in different fields. Uh, and then, yeah, I joined uh, Pivotal VMware to work on Spring Batch. And since then, uh, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Uh, so, yeah, I'm um, standing on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's always great to work on an open source project and leading the effort to make things, uh, to move things forward. We have a great Amazing. community and I try to help as much as possible the Spring community and yeah. Uh, well, that's, uh, you've done an amazing job. And uh, I've, I recently, I've been asking you questions and uh, Rodrigo said he needs to catch up on the Spring Batch live streams that I've done recently. Always something to learn. Um, I would say that those are okay. You know, those live streams, the good parts were thanks to uh, Mahmoud and uh, other people that I bothered for some help. The um, you you also forget. I I think you were just being modest, but you also the, one of the reasons I I I appreciate you so much. Uh, one is because well, you know, you live in one of my favorite countries. But second, also you even before you joined the official like spring team, you were doing cool things in open source. So I I remember uh, Easy Batch and Easy Flow, and uh, I I love that stuff. I love that you love batch processing and workflow as much as uh, you know other people uh, like me you know yeah indeed i i um i used to um i used to work on open source a lot in my in my spare time and um right. I, I think we have a common background about data processing mm -hmm. i also come from that background data processing messaging and so on and uh, yeah i run a couple of open source projects on the side uh mm -hmm. so i'm happy that they are now used by some uh, big companies. It's always rewarding to see your work used by companies like JetBrains, <laughs> uh, right. Netflix, Splunk, and so on. But yeah, it's not. It's like um, um, some tools that I developed on my spare time. I never like uh, spend professional time on this. Uh, but yeah, it's always great to uh, to see useful to to develop useful tools for for uh, for others uh right. unfortunately today i don't have a lot of uh, time to work on them but yeah. they are they are still maintained i mean i i try as much as i can to contribute to them um but yeah it's not my priority today well it's just fine but they're still very useful already i mean they're and i just love that you like okay if i was going to do open source today right and i wanted to like become successful uh you know i think creating a workflow engine would be the last thing i would do right because it's just such a a very specific use case i love yeah. workflow engines i've even created some of them in my life but it just seems like the the group of people the small group of people on the planet they're like oh i need a workflow engine 
it's such a very rare it's a know, niche use yeah. case. It's a niche app. Yeah, yeah exactly. It. Yeah, exactly. And yet you did it. And I love that for you. I love you for that. I love that uh, about you, you know, is that uh, this, you work on these things that are just like, they speak to my way of thinking about building systems, you know? Yeah, thank you. Actually, the um, the use case of uh, Easy Flows came from like a frustration from <laughs> from BPMN and BPL and right. so on. It, it's like five hundred pages specification, and it was quite complex uh, and intimidating to to start with. And I, I said it doesn't have to be that that complex. So let's try something exactly. easy. Three or four workflows like conditional flow, parallel flow, and an iteration, and so on, and you can compose them to create complex ones. Mm -hmm. And apparently, it was it was quite successful. We can like uh, create complex flows with this easy uh, model, like uh, domain model. Yeah. Uh, people are people are using it. I get a lot of emails, support questions, and so on requests. Uh, yeah, and it's interesting to expose yourself and your thinking to people. So this is this is maybe the mistake I have seen people doing, like having not not having the courage to expose their code and probably be uh, yeah. So I said, look, uh, the best way to learn is to really put it there get criticized of course you are not smarter than anyone else i mean you can always have yeah like, like uh, you can always have great feedback and this is exactly what what happened i got a lot of feedback uh, i learned a ton from these projects and uh, yeah and that's, that's good because it helps it helps a lot with uh, with uh, what you're doing today with the spring too so your exactly. wisdom yeah carries forward you know Exactly. I mean, the, the what I learned in um, working on these open source projects on the side, I mean, I learned a lot from them, more than I learned what, what I've been doing in enterprise. So right. th this is like interacting with people and see how they think and uh, improving things. I made a lot of mistakes and interesting mistakes, I hope, <laughs> not blunders. But I think right. these paved the road for me to work on a serious open source project like Spring Patch. <laughs> And right. uh, yeah, that was very helpful to me. And uh, today I really, I'm happy and proud to have been exposed <laughs> with these uh, side projects and then learn from them. And uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're right. That's a good point. Working software is a team sport, right? So if you can build yeah. in open source, you learn, I mean, look, I'm not saying that programming is easy. I'm just saying that successful software is not just about programming, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. an, an engineer, uh, a, a valued engineer on a team today, a, a senior engineer, is not just someone who can write code. And uh, and so, open source, open source. I mean, you know that, of course. But uh, but open source teaches you that, you know. And I, it, it teaches exactly. you how to be a part of a team and how to be humble, because <laughs> because people are sometimes very rude. Um, Absolutely. And this is the, the more I work on open source and software in general, the more I realize that soft skills are as important as uh, technical skills, if not more important. So, okay, you code something, then you have to promote it, you need to maintain it, you need to communicate about it, how to, to make it useful, how to gather feedback from users, how to be humble indeed. And uh, yeah, it's not only about code, but about like the life cycle of the product you you are building 
I am quote tweeting you on that one because that is uh, beautiful. I, well, I'm going to put it in the stream and just leave it there for the world to appreciate. Soft skills are sometimes as important, if not more important, than technical skills. That's that's a I love that absolutely, hundred percent. Thank, thank you. <laughs> Good. So today, you five years. I cannot believe it's been five years. Yeah, indeed. I think we, I think we even had this conversation when you were on the show the last time, which which was recently, it feels like. But of course, the pandemic dilates uh, uh, my sense of time. Um, <laughs> how, when was the last time I you were on the show? I think it was 2020, maybe? Yeah, 2020, in December of 2020. So it's already been 2021, 2022. Now here we are in 2023. So two plus years. Exactly, yeah. Wow. So it was, only, it was already three years or so, right? Um, when you when you when we talked last time on the show uh that's amazing like it, uh, time has sure flown by um Indeed. and now you just released spring batch five mm-hmm. is that right that feels right exactly um five zero one yesterday <laughs> yesterday yeah uh, and <laughs> that's that's a so well, i was i was just talking to oleg jorkowski in the last live stream you know half an hour ago and uh i was I was kind of marveling at how, not I mean, old. Basically, Spring Integration is old. It's an old project. It's been around since two thousand seven. Spring Batch has been around since two thousand six, right? It's it's sixteen, nineteen years. Is that right? No, that's not right. Twenty twenty. Uh, what are we? Seventeen years? It's, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, I think it's sixteen years ago, indeed. Sixteen years ago, long time, long time for a single open source project, and. Yeah. If you look at the very first version of Spring Batch, um, the concept of a tasklet was more important than it is today, and so the 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 abstraction felt very different. But then, since 2.0, right, you've had basically chunks, steps, item readers, writers, and processors, and it's just it's basically the same interface, same same abstraction, same interface. Since then, since then, yeah, and yeah. it's been unbroken and it just continues to work you know and yeah uh that proves know. the how how robust the domain model of spring batch is and how well yeah. designed it is i think exactly uh, yeah and so you can change little things around the edges but the core if you saw it, it we, there's the e- yeah the the do you remember that diagram that the j it was from spring batch but it got used by the j batch initiative you know the j batch <laughs> effort and yeah. I look at that diagram still. Here we are, 2023, 16 plus years later, uh, and it still the works same. just fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, first of all, just for people who have never heard about this, what is Spring Batch, and uh, you know, why would I use it instead of just going home early, you know, or something like what? Well, I, I, I could do anything. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. So, so Spring Batch is a batch processing framework for the JVM. Um, it's to it's designed to process uh, data in in batch so it's not like streaming and this is something that people don't sometimes get confused about streaming and batch streaming stream processing and batch processing are, are quite different and spring batch is really targeted at batch processing for like data at rest not live streams of data right uh, Spring Batch uh, is the leading batch framework on the JVM. So there are some other tools, but I think Batch is Spring Batch is leading. Um, Spring Batch gives a structure 
for your batch application, it gives you this framework where you can design your batch job as a right. collection of steps. And then you can, of course, design the flow as you, as you need. It gives a lot of features, provides features like transaction management, fault tolerance, uh, scalability options, observability, and so on. And uh, cool. I think it's a complete framework it has everything you need to have to implement uh, a modern batch architecture, I think. Right. Okay. In a nutshell, so I think. Yeah, in a nutshell. That's another great. Uh, it almost sounds like an oxymoron to me. You know, an oxymoron is something that the two two words that sound like they're opposites of each other. What is a modern batch? Like a batch is old, right? Batch is a uh, you know, decades, right? 50 plus years, we've been talking, 60 plus years, we've been talking about batch processing and mainframes and, you know, magnetic tapes. Still... <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's batch processing, right? Yeah. What, what is, so what is, what separates batch from just file IO or, you know, why would I need a, why, when does it become a batch problem instead of a, you know, basic input output problem? Yeah, I think, I think what, um, what you need uh, when you need a solution like Spring Batch is when you have a lot of data. I think, of course, if you have to process a small set of data, you don't really need a framework for that. But as as right. soon as you your data grows and you have a lot of data that doesn't fit in a single transaction or on a single machine or something like this, you have to to um, introduce like a framework to help you deal with these amount of data. So yeah. like, uh, like, for example, imagine you are processing a large file or a large database table and your processing is um, fails. I mean, your processing fails halfway. How you would do that? Will, will you lose all the processing you did before or can you restart from where you left off? How can right. you deal with uh, not loading? If you have a limited set of resources like memory or disk, you can't really load everything in memory so to process it at one time. So you have to find a way to stream data chunk by chunk or something like this. So all of these um, constraints like are um, uh, makes it like uh, makes you makes you uh, meaning you need to have a framework for this. You can right. do this by yourself, but of course, it's always uh, difficult to re-implement everything. Those are recurring patterns that have been proven to, I mean, those yeah. are recurring patterns that have been implemented and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And uh, I think Spring Batch is a good fit for this kind of uh, jobs. I do too. And I what I love about, you mentioned the framework, and I think the framework part is, very important because a lot of times we think, okay, I want to do A, B, and C. I want to do this to the data and then I want to do this and then I want to do that, right? And it is very natural to start with just a, a method and then you try and do A, B, and C and you realize, okay, I've got a lot of data. Okay, so maybe I should maybe I should um, put the data in some place so that it's once I've done it successfully, once I've done A, it's saved somewhere. Exactly. That way, if it fails between A and B, I can just start with B next time. Okay. But even within A, you have a lot of data. And so what if I get halfway through A and I and then it fails or there's some improperly formatted data or whatever. In fact, even today when we start with um, 
machine learning and uh, this kind of stuff. And a huge thing they teach you is you can't work with data unless it's clean. So you have to, a lot of time, people who work with machine learning, a big part of the job is learning how to normalize and clean up data, right? Exactly. To get rid of, first of all, simple stuff like, okay, I've got too many commas or there's a unquoted data or whatever. That's the first part. And the second is, you know, um, uh, processing it, actually and making sense of it. Right. Uh, but that you can't do anything with the data unless it's clean. And a lot of times it's not. So sometimes you have to have robustness in the code on how to handle that. And exactly. just, it just, it just is the way the world works. It, whether, whether we want it to be or not, right. A lot of times you get a file created in one framework or technology or language, and it gets dropped in your lap and you have to, you have to do the right thing with it every day, new file, new, new data every day. Um, yeah, and the cool thing about Spring Batch is that it uh, saves the execution context of your application in a persistent store. So if your application dies uh, in yeah. some way for some reason, you can re uh, restart it from where it left off. So this is the idea of restartability. And why I why I mentioned the modern batch application uh, when uh, a couple of minutes ago, because today we are deploying like batch workloads in the cloud. Okay, mm -hmm. and yeah. we know by nature uh, cloud environments are like flaky. Sometimes nodes are gone, they are restarted, they are replaced, and so on. So what if my batch application is running on a node and then suddenly the node disappears and reappears elsewhere? So yeah. I don't want to lose the processing I did. Uh, well, just before. So Spring Batch, I think, is a good fit for this kind of environments because it persists the execution context of your application in a persistent store. So if the application dies, the, the metadata stays there. It's in a persistent store. So when you restart it, you can restart it on another node and it will pick up the same metadata and restart from where it left off. And this is very important, I think, to correctness before before right. talking about performance and scalability and so on, correctness. If I start a job to process this amount of data or this data set, am I sure to have the correct result even if my application dies in the middle? Right. That's and, so uh, and, uh, Yeah. So this is really what I like about Spring Bash. I, I, if you don't have this feature, you will be forced to think about restartability yourself and you have to design restartability in your algorithm, in your solution. Right. And so with Spring Batch, you can say, okay, I can read from this file, right, to this table. And if something goes wrong in the middle, I can be sure that Spring Batch will handle that restartability for me. Imagine you don't have this feature. So you will have to imagine yourself a way, you have to find a solution to, to, to this problem. How can I restart from where I left off? So you will have to like uh, implement some safe uh, checkpoints or safe points, and then uh, design your 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 application to restart from that last safe point, and so on. But all of this is given for free when you use Spring Batch, and this is awesome, I think. Well, I, you're right. It's and you have to design it. You have to do it correctly. And the worst part is, uh, the worst part is that if you have to do it at scale you may not even realize until you've gotten a million records in that there's a bug, right? And, and you, it might be one of those things where you start processing tonight, come back tomorrow morning, and you'll find out, oh, two hours later, it broke, right? Exactly. So I don't, wanna, yeah. I don't want to build this, and I especially don't want to have to maintain it when the cycle time, the re reset and cycle time uh, is hours or days or whatever. You know, it can take a long time for these jobs. Um, uh, 
yeah, like it, I, I don't, I want somebody else to do that for me. This is one of those things where it, re, reinventing it is costly, but it's so much more costly when you have mistakes and you're gonna, right? Exactly. So this is the kind of features or requirement where you need a batch framework for you. So it's also, you need a library for this. If you're reading from a file or a table or some, some other um, data source, you don't really need to reinvent this uh, reading or writing code. So Spring Batch comes with a rich library of readers and writers that you can use to read and write to, uh, to uh, I mean, to different data sources. I don't really need to implement my own reader only right. under, under some specific uh, situations uh, where I need a custom item reader. But I think uh, most of cases are covered, uh, files, databases, message brokers, and so on. And Spring Batch has a large library for this. And it's growing. We have the community adding stuff. Uh, and I love this it. is awesome. Yeah. Well, I so okay. The files I get the uh, CSV, yes, flat files, yeah, you know, XML, all that makes perfect sense. Databases, SQL databases. When I knew Spring Batch was going to change my life, the moment I realized that this is not just your regular thing was when I when they introduced the batch message listener, right, message container, whatever. When it, when it, when you could start doing messaging in yeah. Batch, you could do like bulk reads from JMS or or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a nice feature. It's not a feature built in in Spring Batch itself. I mean, we have yeah. a sample for that, and the um, the the Batch listener, this one is not part of the standard library, so you don't get it when you download Spring Batch. But we have a sample that you can use, and you can copy the code from there. Yeah, and indeed, it's interesting because it allows you to have like a bridge between streaming and Batch words, so you can like read from a message stream and then do right. uh, some batch uh, processing for it. Yeah, so this is a bridge between both words. Yeah, I love that. And because you think about it, like it's really inefficient to do one message at a time. I would actually like to uh, accumulate whatever, a, a chunk of messages and then process them and write them all in a chunk to the database. That's a, it's so natural when you think about it, right? I love event-driven architectures, but one by one, that seems like a waste of resources. You know, I could just, do a chunk. Um, uh, yeah, I, I love Spring. I love Spring Batch for that. So, okay, good. So Spring Batch, big chunks of data. You want stages in your data processing so that you have lots of checkpoints. That's why you've got the step abstraction. So you can say, okay, I got to this point. I got to this point. What if I get an error? Okay, you said I can resume. Um, what are the criteria for resumability? Like I know that if I create a batch job, it has parameters and these parameters help distinguish whether this job ran you know, today on Friday or on Saturday or whatever. Uh, but but what if I want to restart the job? What does that mean? How does it know to restart the one that I ran on Friday, for example? Yeah, so for this, I mean, Spring Batch uses a, um, um, it has a, the concept of job instance. And this is basically a logical group of job executions. Um, so for example, I, I will explain this with, with an example. Imagine you have to generate a report every day. Like you have yeah. an e-commerce application, you want to re sales report every day. So like Monday, you have a report, you have a report to generate for Monday, another report for uh, Tuesday and so on and so forth. Yeah. Now. Now you can say, um, I need to, um, I can provide the day of the report as a job parameter. So I can say, please generate a sales report for Monday. 
Right. So this is the date, the current date is the job parameter. So when you run this this um, batch job, it will like, for example, generate a file. And let's imagine it fails halfway. Now you, you are on right. Tuesday. You are on Tuesday. Right. Okay. And you know I that the, the report of yesterday failed. So if right. you want to run the same report of yesterday, you can rerun it manually. Say, please run uh, generate the report for Monday. Spring Batch knows because it has this knowledge of the job parameter and there is a way to identify things. It's basically a hash of the job parameters. And it knows that, oh, I have already uh, tried to generate a report, a report for Monday. So let me check in my database if there is an instance for this report and if there is like some processing have been done for this report. And this is what allows Spring Batch to know if you are requesting a fresh start or a restart of another uh, execution. So if you rerun your, your um, report on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever for the same day uh, that you have already right. run, Spring Batch can know this and it will based on the metadata it, it saves in the database, say, okay, this is a restart. Let me check if there is some processing that have been done there, that has been done there. Yeah. So, and it can, it can go and say, oh, okay, I generated like half the report. I need to generate the other half and it will resume from where it left off. So okay. this is the idea of job instances and a job instance can have multiple executions. So the first one fails the second one can fail as well, and the third one maybe it succeeds. And right. this this is the the idea. So you have an instance of a job, and then you have you can have one or multiple executions. Then what differentiates a job instance from another is the job parameters. So basically, there are two types: identifying one and non-identifying one. So the identifying one are the ones who are used to identify a job instance. So basically, if you have right. two or three parameters. What Spring Bash does one is, is key. Yeah, exactly. It will combine them as a key. It's an MD5 or SHA1. It's configurable, but by default, yeah. it's MD5. And it gives a key, and this key is the is the discriminator between job instances. So, yeah, it's, so I can... it's, it's, it's nicely designed, I think. It's, uh, Very. But of, of course, you can have non-identifying job parameters. Like, for example, in the example I gave, the date could be an identifying job parameter. Maybe the format of the the the, the report is can be non-identifying, like it could be CSV, XML, or JSON, or something like this. Yeah. So it's the same report, but I can generate it in a different format. You see, so it doesn't really uh, participate in the identification of the job instance itself. The discriminator is the date. I can have other right. non-identifying job parameters, but yeah, this is just an example. So ah. what's interesting about this, maybe I, if I may, well, is yeah. that sometimes you don't want a job instance to be run twice. Right. For example, for example, you have uh, an input file that contains uh, bank transactions. You want this file yes. to be run only once. If you run it twice by error or by mistake or by and any whatever. For, for, for whatever for some reason you will have serious consequences on this okay you will run the same transaction twice it's not good it's not uh it's a problem so what spring batch allows you to do is that if by error you try like you have two processes running the same file at the same time if you have a concurrent execution 
Spring which happens batch, a lot, by the way. Which happens a, a lot, a, by the way. Exactly. You start up so, a job instance and it acts, you know, you, you kind of, you talked about the cloud, right? Like it, yeah. it automatically does, sometimes it'll just create two instances, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it happens you, all the time. So yeah, Spring Batch guarantees uh, that only one of them will succeed. And this, is, this right. is great because if I have to do this manually, so I need to design like a locking mechanism or something like this. But with right. the, central, the centralized job repository design, so when you create a job instance, there is a transaction going and only one client can create a job instance or can execute a job instance at a time. So if by mistake, two machines are, are, are like launched at the same time, they will launch the, the same job instance at the same time, Spring right. Batch will like uh, prevent one of them to uh, to uh, to run only one can run uh, at the same time this is one thing the other thing is like we re running the same thing again so imagine only one one process uh, launches right. the job so we finish the processing of this file so everything is good but by error or by mistake you rerun it afterwards like today uh, like tomorrow or another day by mistake you rerun the same file but you don't want this to happen it's not a concurrent right. execution. It's not a concurrent execution. It's like a duplicate execution. This is a different problem. And of course, Spring Batch also by design does not allow this kind of problems to happen. So when a job instance completes, it's done. You cannot rerun it another time. And I think this is similar to, yeah, it's, this is a very, very interesting feature. People don't realize right. this, but it's actually a lot of work to just implement these two features of uh, preventing duplicate executions and concurrent executions. There are, right. of course, there are solutions to this problem, logs and so on, but you have them for free in Spring Batch. So you really design, correctly design your job instances. So choose the right parameter that you don't have duplicate keys and so on. And then you, you are like uh, free from dealing with these uh, concerns, which is awesome, I, I think. I think Spring Batch is, because people don't, uh, okay, think about this for a second. Most people don't kind of appreciate what we're talking about here. When you have, when you have a Spring app, Spring apps are most, by default, they're, uh, they're singletons, right? Spring beans are singleton by default. You've got one of them per context, but Spring Batch is a little different. Spring Batch, it's, you're meant to run the jobs multiple times, right? You but you can parameterize them just like you can a web request. And just like with a web request, uh, you can have beans that live only as long as that, that run exists, right? So a batch job that ran yesterday is a different invocation of a job in the same way that, that, that a web request you make on a, a Spring MVC controller today is a different request than you made yesterday and might have different parameters. Uh, and so Spring Batch also has this step scope, right? So you can actually have beans that have access to data that is unique to this invocation of the job, to this run of this job, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it, Spring Batch, and it's very kind of interesting. You can run the same job over and over and over. It doesn't exist just one time. Um, and uh, so, yeah, having, that, having the facility there to automatically lock yourself out of being able to run it the same, you know, the same job multiple times so you don't create side effects, you know, undo extra processing, you know. Like you mentioned bank transactions. It's so painfully obvious that you don't want to run the same bank transaction. You don't want to debit the same account twice, right? Exactly. Just once, <laughs> Just once yeah. never more than once. Exactly. 
exactly um, exactly once <laughs> and exactly and of and of course not concurrently this is also because in in a cloud environment and this is also why i try to to mention this in a modern modern environment in a cloud environment this happens all the time i mean yeah sometimes at, at a large scale you can't even control this and um, uh, concurrent execution is something that you need to think about from the right. beginning otherwise it like it, it's it's about correctness it's about really we didn't even deal with scalability performance and so on it's really to right. have a correct input output of your batch shop and how how it is deployed and so on well i mean even you mentioned cloud and that is obviously it's relevant today but even like in the old world you know you'd have a, a batch job on a cron that you might have one every hour the one that is supposed to process today's work ran an hour ago, but it's still running, right? Yes. Maybe it's still, it maybe takes an hour and 20 minutes to run. So you don't want something that gets started an hour later when you're still not finished with the first one to start over, you know, stepping on the feet of the one that's already running. Yeah, so overlapping that, with that, the previous one, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's just so important to have that built-in safety. So, and, and at scale, no less. That's what I guess what I'm trying to say is you want batch to protect you against problems that only become an issue when you have to do something for a long time. You deal a lot with lots of data, with lots of concurrent actors, lots of, uh, you know, all this stuff gets problematic when you start getting overlapping runs. Okay, so Spring Batch, I love Spring Batch. Um, I did just mention Cron. Spring Batch doesn't do scheduling, right? It does jobs. You, you start a job you, and the job finishes. Um, what, what, what part of the stack should I be using for you know scheduling. scheduling yeah yeah so as you said spring batch is not doesn't provide any feature to schedule job executions so it provides a way to launch them there is an abstraction right. for that job launcher and job operator but there is no scheduling features in spring batch and i think this is a good choice there are many uh, good good uh, tools there so if you want to deal with scheduling you have obviously the spring capabilities the add schedule mm -hmm. annotation which gives you like quartz. Cron, uh, quartz as well. So I was about yeah. to mention quartz. Sorry. Uh, yeah, there Job are many. Scheduler. Exactly. Exactly. There are also uh, enterprise grade uh, products like Control M and so on and BMC. so forth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Autosys, Auto I think. Yeah, Autosys as well. Um, but yeah, as soon as you have your batch job defined in Spring Batch and the way to launch it, then you can schedule it with whatever tool you want. So it's right. uh, it's uh, it's not an issue. And of course, Kubernetes has a cron job, and we have Spring Cloud Dataflow, which you can use to to orchestrate yes. this stuff. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. Don't worry about that. But it's not in Spring Batch. Don't feel like you're left out. That's actually a feature, not a bug. Now, my <laughs> friend, <laughs> I, we talked about the basics of Spring Batch, and I love that we had this conversation because I think it's useful for a lot of people today. But what I really want to talk to you about, well, I, I think it is because I, I think a lot of people don't realize there's a whole domain, a whole class of systems and architecture Problems. and programming that deal with this. They, somebody looks at this and they say, oh, I've got a large text file. I guess I'll write it myself. No, don't do that. You know, just like, I, just like it's obvious to me if, if I have to build a web service, it's obvious to me at least and to you and to anybody who's been programming for a little while that... You shouldn't write your own web server. That's insane. 
It's absolutely insane. You would never do that, right? You'd be fired probably, or at the very least, <laughs> somebody would mentor you and hopefully teach you the error of your ways. In the same way, I cannot more, more effusively and emphatically stress that you shouldn't write your own batch processing code. Um, it's a problem. Don't do it. It's, it's, maybe somebody sure. didn't teach you, you know, but you need to know. Um, and even even if you do it, you are not sure that you are cover that you have covered all the the use cases. People, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you have a batch solution that was there for fifteen years, for I mean, for sure there are problems you might not be, you might not think uh, think about, and yeah, so it's always a last resort to to to, to try to develop something yourself. And uh, oh, thank you, yeah. yeah. So, okay, so now we've got Spring Batch. It's, again, what did we say, 16 plus years old now? Very, very bulletproof code. It's been used by some of the largest organizations on the planet for decades, decades. Um, and I always like to joke that I would love to help people replace their uh, COBOL and Kicks mainframe solution with a very small Spring Batch app, you know? Uh, it, it's, that's To me, that's very fun and very satisfying. But here we are, Spring Batch 5.0 just came out last November. Exactly. Was it? November, last right? November, so, yeah. uh, so already four months almost, or three months at least. But but still, recently, uh, we have 5.01 that just came out yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the new features? Why should people upgrade to the new and latest and greatest? Yeah, so I think... Um... It's been like a huge year for the Spring community. All projects from the portfolio basically uh, released major versions and Spring Batch is no different, of course. I think um, why people should upgrade to this version, I think it's, um, uh, it's a collective movement uh, with the, the release of Java 17. I think now we have a new baseline for the entire portfolio, I guess, uh, all major releases. Since we are following Spring Framework, which has a Java 17 as a baseline, Spring Batch as well has a Java 17 right. as a baseline. This is all, nice. already a good. Uh, this is already a good argument, I think, because Java 17 is awesome, uh, both in terms of features and runtime efficiency and so on. So this is the first thing you have to follow. At some point, you have to follow the the uh, the ecosystem. Everyone of is. Of course. Uh, yeah. Um, we have a lot of features in Spring Batch 5. Uh, it's a huge release. I think um, we have been listening to users. There are many features that uh, have been implemented uh, that have been requested for many years. And I'm happy to see them <laughs> finally released in Batch 5. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are so busy in, in, in Spring Batch. And sometimes it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's having a major release is a good opportunity to, to because we can break things, we can introduce some breaking changes, and right, of course, for the good. Um, of so, what we have in Spring Batch Five is, uh, apart from the new baseline of Java 17, mm -hmm. it's of course based on Spring Framework Six, Spring Data Three, Spring Integration Six, and so on. So we uh, we have uh, upgraded to all micrometer. These micrometer 1.10 which is it's which is also a major release um so okay talking about micrometer uh, the uh, observability support in spring batch has been improved in batch 5 so we right. have new met we have new metrics we use the new apis from micrometer 1.10 uh, wow. we have tracing 
batch tracing. This is a new feature, and I'm really excited wow. about this thing. So batch tracing, in very quickly, is, is a feature that allows you to trace the execution of your batch job. It's different than metrics. So, for example, you want to have, um, if you are a bit familiar with tracing, I mean, the, the audience, uh, you have these um, spans, you have these traces and spans. So imagine you have a dashboard on which you can select your batch job, and then you will see a trace with a span for each uh, step, if you want. So right. that, this would be amazing because I can select the step, like, for example, if one step takes too much time, I can select the step and see the detail details of the execution. So if my step like does a web request or a database request, I can trace exactly how much time ha has been spent uh, in each part of the application. So tracing is different than metrics. And I think it's awesome because it allows you to pinpoint where your batch application is spending most of its time. And so the metrics like... might tell you that the metrics might tell you that uh, a high percentage of your jobs are taking normal time, but some are within this like extended duration. And then the tracing, you can see the details of those extended. Exactly. So you okay. can really see step by step, like uh, at, um, call by call and how much time has been spent. Of course, you have tags and so on, and it's very customizable. But this is really a feature I'm excited about because what can, I mean, in production, sometimes your batch jobs take some time and you don't know, you have to check the logs and so on. With tracing, you can have a dashboard and nearly in near time, nearly in real time, you can like check where your job is hanging or what. Wow. So this is this is something uh, that we introduced in Spring Batch 5, thanks to, to 1.10. Do I have to do anything to enable that besides having the actuator on the class path? So you have... Just to uh, yeah, you have something to do. So basically, it's one line of code. If you if you uh, if you will, so you have to enable to configure a tracer, uh, okay. and then add it to the observation registry. So this is basically all you have to do. So by default, it's disabled. There is a no mm -hmm. implementation. But if, uh, for example, if you use Spring Boot, the tracer will be auto configured for you. You just need to say, okay, I need to activate tracing, basically. There is a right. default handler, and you add the tracer of your choice. Of course, as long as it is supported by micrometer, micrometer, right. it can be Brave, Open Telemetry, or whatever. So, the, and then you say, please activate tracing for me. It's literally one line of code, and you have tracing. That's uh, a property, I think. It can be a property or a programmat in a programmatic way. You add the right. listener to the observation registry, and you are done. Nice. That's so cool. Yeah. That's, and that's basically free. You just upgrade to Spring Batch uh, and you get that. That's Yeah. So this is uh, observability. We have been working on this to improve metrics and adding tracing. Uh, the other feature I'm really excited about is uh, native support. This is, oh, yes. this, is, this is awesome. This is a game changer, I think. So we have been working with the Spring Native team and Spring Framework team to make make it possible to uh, natively compile Spring Batch applications as native executables. So, right. you know, there is all these um, native hints that you need to, to declare and so on. So we have been working to add these. Sometimes there are missing uh, hints, but yeah, we are working on making sure that everything is, is, uh, is covered. 
But the idea is that you have your batch application, you natively compile it, and then you have a binary that you can run. And right. this binary is, so you might be wondering why I need to do this. It's of course for all the good stuff that native uh, applications bring, right. like uh, almost instant, instant startup time, uh, runtime efficiency, uh, what else? Memory consumption, reducing the memory usage of your app and so on. Right. And we have some benchmarks for the same batch application that is run as a regular JVM app and yeah. as a nat natively compiled app. And sometimes the speed up is like 10 times faster and or eight times. It depends on the use case. But the the uh, total execution time is is uh, uh, is better in, in most cases. So this is, of course, That's so cool. If your app is running 10 times faster than your uh, JVM version, it's uh, if you translate this on your bill, uh, on your uh, cloud platform, right. bill, it, will be, it will be something different. Uh, of course, wow. startup time is also uh, improved. But I think yeah. for startup time is not really uh, useful for a batch application. If your batch app yeah, runs, exactly. runs for two hours, it doesn't really matter if it starts in one second or half a second. It's the same thing. Right. But what the total I love execution, about it, yeah, the yeah, memory. Go ahead. Memory, memory usage is at well. Yeah, memory usage is less. <sighs> I think it's uh, you will use less resources, uh, probably yeah. less threads. So yeah, this is really awesome. It depends on the use case, of course. You have to do some benchmarks yourself. It depends on the app. Of course. But I think the overall result is is awesome. And uh, uh, I think uh, there have been uh, there has been a lot of effort cr across the, the portfolio. Everyone has, uh, has been working on native support. And uh, it's a collective effort. And kudos to the Spring Native team, Spring Framework team for they right. they they provide the the base uh basic building blocks for us to make sure our projects compile natively and uh, this is awesome it is awesome and i've i've built a lot of batch believe it or not i mean cuz i use spring batch like a lot i really if i'm not building a web app then i'm probably going to use spring integration and spring batch right there's somewhere in my code where that will fit and uh, I, so I built a lot of apps. Heck, I just did a bunch of stuff, uh, you know, on stream. And except for some very specific, like, corner cases, you know, Spring Batch just works. And when it doesn't work, there's an error that's very useful that tells me, okay, this type needs to be registered for reflection. And so that's, it's not Spring Batch. That's just my code. And I need to fix that. That's fair, you know. It's been great. Um, okay, great question here. Uh, somebody says, my, uh, let me see. Hello. Hello. I want to know if it makes sense to run multiple instances of a job on different portions of a database. For example, I have 1 million rows to process. I launched two jobs of $500,000 each. What would you say to that? Uh, yeah. So this is, uh, this is a typical use case. Uh, so there are, there are different choices here. I think you can, it depends on how much resources you have. Uh, so, for example, you have one million rows in a database and you want to speed up processing. So you can design a job to run, like you give it a range of records from one to five, 500 um, and thousand. Uh, yeah. a thousand and the other one from 500,000 and one 
to 1 million, two jobs running concurrently, each one processing half of the table. This is one choice. So here, like the range is a job parameter to your job. You will have two job instances running in parallel, each one processing its own data set. What you can do as well is having a single job with a partitioned step where the step will be um, the same step will be running two partitions at the same time in parallel as well. But here you have a single job with a partitioned step. On the other option, you have two jobs running in parallel, two job instances. So it depends. Okay. Um, I think having, so for this case, maybe partitioning is good. You have a single job and if it fails, you will like rerun the same job for the same table. And Spring Batch is smart enough to restart only the failed partition. So if a partition succeeds and the other one fails, it will only rerun the failed one. So this is also a nice feature in Spring Batch. But yeah, it depends Very on nice. the topology of your uh, your architecture. You can design both of these. Of course, there is also uh, concurrent executions. It's it's not only about partitioning. You can have like a multi-threaded step where each thread. Uh, you can run um, with multiple threads, you, you process the same data set. Yeah, there are many scalability options in Spring Batch, and yeah, it depends on the use case. So, I yeah. like that partitioning. The partitioning, the, in that case, you have one database containing the job state, but you set up a, a step that when it gets to that step, it, it sends a, it basically launches another run somewhere or somewhere else. There's a thing that will read only like one third of the data or whatever you can give it a it basically it, it can divide the range you, you have to tell it how to divide the workload exactly uh, and then it, you can just create as many instances of that worker of that partition worker as you need as you, but it'll they'll, they'll just smartly pull down the data exactly for you, you know? and you and you can do it locally with multiple threads in the same jvm right or remotely uh, with different JVMs on different machines. The so partition, cool. the partitioning in Spring Batch is very nice because it's, I think it's well designed and there are abstractions that allow you to customize the thing. So but there are basically two, two main concepts, the partitioner and the partition handler. The partitioner yeah. is the piece that understands the data, knows how to partition it and create partitions. And the partition handler is what will handle the partitions. So basically, it will run each partition wherever and then gather the results. So it's like a fork join pattern here. So you have basically two, two concepts, and you can implement them. It's one method here and one method there. And basically, right. you can plug your custom implementation in Spring Batch, and it should work as designed. Uh, I can think about, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Docker-based uh, partition handler. Each partition will run right. in a Docker or a Lambda, a Lambda on 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 a, on a cloud platform or something like this. So yeah, there are many many ways to to implement this. Spring Batch, of course, provides two right. two or three partition handlers. I think Task Executor to partition handler to run partitions in the same JVM with multiple threads. I think there is a message channel partition handler. This with is spring like messaging with spring uh, integration. Yeah, with spring messaging yeah. and integration. And there is a deployer partition handler. handler. This is uh, part of Spring Cloud Task, if, if I think. And this one allows you to like to run your partitions on different uh, Spring Cloud Task apps. So remotely. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome indeed.
and we we had a uh, Glenn Renfro, and he kind of he was talking about Spring Cloud Task on the show. Oh yeah, you know, yesterday or the day before. So if you want to learn more about that, people, I hope you'll go watch that episode. Um, so okay, yeah, great question. I I w- that was a whole discussion in the interview I wanted to get to, but I didn't even <laughs> look. It was just a great question. So okay, let's get let's get back to the new features though, because we didn't even get close to covering all of them. Not even close. We we're, that's the problem. You created too much good stuff. Um, yeah, indeed. So it's also a teamwork. So it's uh, well, it's, yeah. it's also the lovely community around the project. So we have the uh, Java seventeen uh, baseline. We have the observability features. Uh, metrics yep. and tracing. We talked about uh, native support, uh, right. which is awesome. Uh, yep. Another great feature is, yeah. Hi, a, a question from me. What's this sure. system command tasklet? System command tasklet. System command tasklet is uh, is a tasklet <laughs> that allows you to run a system command on the platform you are running on. So like, for example, oh, shelling out. Sorry? You can shell out. Shell yeah, exactly. You can shell out, yeah, indeed. So you can, like, I don't know, WC minus L <laughs> to know the number of lines in your file and uh, right. take this uh, this uh, information and use it somewhere else in your job. So system command tasklet allows you to run system commands basically in your batch application. In your Spring <laughs> batch app. Uh, we introduced a lot of new features for this uh, in this uh, implementation. So basi- basically, um, we have a new interface, which is the command runner, I think, that decouples the execution of the tasklet itself from the command that you run on the on the oh. machine. So this, so before that, it was like just the execute method, and there you type in the command you want, and it's it's like tied to the execution of the tasklet itself. Now you have right. this decoupling. You have an, a new interface. A command runner you can implement it in whatever you want for whatever platform you want because sometimes the command you want to run is like not portable and it's specific right. to some os and so on with this um new interface it decouples the execution of the command from the tasks from the tasklet itself so you can like mock it in testing you can implement it in different ways and so on so uh, this is a, this was a contribution by the community i told you it's not only uh, me but this is this is a lovely feature and since it was a bit breaking we Wait delayed it to, to 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 batch 5 yeah another feature is uh, the enhanced support for java records so I love records. Me too, <laughs> uh, so much. Uh, yeah. So we introduced record support in batch uh, 4.3, I think, or even 4.2. So at the time, I think records were like uh, in preview. Uh, they weren't finalized yet. So yeah. they were finalized in Java 16. Uh, so we tried to introduce like initial support for them with uh, reflection hacks. So trying to get the canonical, canonical constructor and try to pass in the component in the, the right order and so on. So you, you could use records with, with Spring Batch 4.3, but we didn't have the uh, access to the Java Lang record API. So it was not I like... See. It was not it was not available to us as framework developers. So when we when we started working on batch five, which is based on Java seventeen, we have this API Java Lang record, so we can do uh, we can improve record support and implement it correctly. So we have this API. We can check if a type is a record or a regular class and so on. 
and uh, so we improved a lot of things so like we introduced new field extractor i think uh we nice. improved our builders to detect your type if it is a record or a regular class so we don't have to worry like if i have a person class yeah. and i use like a flat file item reader and i say my target type is person dot class okay right so in previous versions, I had to know if person is a class or a record, of course. And um, like I need to register the right um, field extractor for it. OK, so I need to know myself if my type is a class or a record to, to know what I need to, how to map it basically to, uh, to, uh, to an, an instance of my class or my record. So with batch five, you don't have to do that. So you say, here is my file. Here's my target type, and Spring Batch can detect if the target type is a record or a class, and it will automatically register the uh, component for you if it's a mapper or field extractor and so on. So this wow. this is yeah this is nice because as a user it's transparent to me. I don't care. Here is my target right. type. If it's a class, it's correctly configured. If it's a record, it will be correctly configured as well. I don't need to think about this. Um, yeah, so this is nice. And I see someone saying in the comment, better record support is lovely. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Um, exactly. There you go. Sorry about that. I forgot to highlight that. Yeah, it's much, it's so nice. Because it, it, Spring Batch is, there's a lot of, um, when you deal with large amount of data, there's a lot of moving parts. At least with Spring Batch, it's a well understood. Like you understand that you have to have a step and you have to have these item readers and writers and you need to build them, right? And so, so, what I want is for the code related to defining the pipeline to be as small as possible. And then I want the code related to my data to be as small as possible so I can see the big picture instead of being drowned out by all these getters and setters and, and constructors and all this nonsense yeah. that hides the picture of what's happening, you know, the big picture. Yeah. Maybe one thing which is great with records and why I, I really love this feature is think about it. Uh, imagine, so in production, usually you have a lot of fields in your input data. So your data structure on the Java side is also following the same structure, basically. So you have the same number of fields, okay? Right. So when we provide in Spring Batch, when we provide a, a record field set mapper and a record field extractor, these things know by reflection uh, how to map each field from the CSV file to your to your type, okay? Right. Now, here is the thing. Imagine you have your custom implementation of a record mapper of like bean wrapper or something. So you, you, you literally implement the interface and you set, you create a new instance of your object and then you set field by field, okay? Imagine one day the business people add one or two fields in your CSV file. What do you have to do? You have to go to your class, add these two fields, Wait. and then... It, update your implementation to map these two fields, right? So you have to to change the code for that. With, the, with these two, like the record field set mapper and record field extractor, you don't have to do this. So they automatically know the fields. And know you just right. need to change the uh, definition record. of your record. And then they yeah. will like add the constructors and map the fields and so on. So it's less work uh, than uh, than before than having a class that you implement and you need to add the getter, setter, feeds, and so on. So this is, I, for maintainability, is, is nice, I think. And this is, also, this is also thanks to the Java records, which is added in Java 16 
And of course, we have it since we are based on Java 17. Right. I love it. Another thing, I'm, 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 another thing that we talked about with Glenn, and I didn't know about this because, uh, you know, it's just hard to keep up with everything. Uh, one thing that I learned thanks to Glenn, apparently you can just support any object now for a job parameter. Oh yeah, this is a, yeah yeah indeed. This is another yeah. This is another area where we had to break things. Uh, that's so okay. if you know, that's okay for a major version. So for batch four, we uh, we had four supported types for Java for job parameters: uh, string, right. date, double, and long. So this is like a restrictive list, and yeah. we have seen a lot of users, uh, myself included, doing some hacks to like support booleans, or so you had to convert like true, false to a boolean parameter, or if I have another date type, like let's say Java time local date, uh, it's not supported. You have to use Java util date, which is uh, we right. know it's uh, not the right design and so on, but yeah. Right. What if I what if I want to use my customer as a job parameter? So I have to. Right. to th th this is this is the goal. I, I mean, I want to use any type of my domain as a parameter. L like in the example I gave uh, earlier, I said we have an e-commerce application. I want like to generate a sales report for a given customer. How? Uh, right. How how can I do that? I want to pass my customer as a job parameter. So with batch five, you can like say, okay, Java dash jar my my batch dot jar, and customer equals, and I can give a string representation of my customer. So all you have wow. to do is to tell Spring Batch how to go from this Spring representation to a Java object. So basically, you will have to register a converter, which is nothing more than a co converter from Spring Framework. So we use the default right. uh, conversion service from Spring Framework. We didn't create any new uh, right. APIs or no. interfaces. We just plugged the Spring's uh, conversion service in the in, into the, the batch uh, framework. So right. we have to tell Spring Batch how to convert string literals to objects and vice versa. And that's it. And now you can use any type. So it's customer, person, not only these four types, which is a restrictive list, I think. No more hacks. You just no need more to, hacks. You just I, need to I mean, register I, a converter yeah. and you're done. I was telling Glenn the other day, I, I, I've done this hack where I created a uh, JSON version of something. Oh, yeah. And then sent that <laughs> I, as a string I, parameter. I, and then I okay. marshaled it. Uh, uh, in the job, but I actually I injected the job parameter as a string, or I got it as a string, and then I manually used Jackson to serialize it back into an object that was useful to me. I've done that like like a lot, you know. Like I've done that as well. <laughs> uh, so now you you just need to tell Spring Batch what is a string representation of my job parameter and back, so back and forth, and it will use the Spring uh, conversion service. Conversion service. Yeah, and, and that uh, probably. The conversion service, I think it, it understands things like Java IO file, right? Like it, it has Boolean, it has dates, it has yeah, exactly. a lot of stuff. It's, so it by, has, default, you know. by default, is already smart. I think uh, it covers a lot yeah. of uh, types and uh, you can add your custom ones as well. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's so cool. That's, it, yeah. it's a, does it, was I, was I not able to use Spring, Spring Batch before? No, of course not. It was, it was great. I could use it before, no problem. But this this is a this is just a few lines of code that I don't have to write and nobody else has to understand, you know? Nobody else yeah. has to parse. It's just very nice.
Uh, yeah, okay, so uh, re related to that, because it's related to this job parameter thing, is yep. the notation uh, of how to specify job parameters. This is also, uh, this also has changed. Uh, we had to change it because you need a way to, to pass the information from the command line arc to your patch framework and say, right. how do I interpret this, this, uh, uh, this value. So it's basically key value pairs. So it's as usual key value pairs, but the uh, the interpretation of the value is different now. Right. So for example, why we did this, and probably this is a good uh, uh, a good opportunity to explain this. So in Spring Batch four, we had like this um, the way to specify if the parameter is identifying or not was done with like the dash uh, minus or plus sign just before the job parameter name. You see, like if I right. say plus schedule date. If you're doing a Java minus jar, my job dot jar, and I mm -hmm. want to specify a parameter that gets passed in as a property, you're saying I would do yeah. plus or minus, okay. Yeah, okay. this plus or minus is problematic, uh, especially with Spring Boot when when we use like double dashes. You see, when you right. when you remove when you remove these, you take out also the dash that has a meaning for Spring Batch. So the the job parameter which was like meant to be non-identifying is now identifying because we remove this minus sign. You see, so right. this is problematic. So we said, how can we introduce a new annotation, a new notation that is not problematic in this case? And the idea was like to have a specific uh, interpretation of the value that allows us to 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 do this. So we need a way to specify the value, uh, the value wow. of the parameter itself as a string literal. Uh, we need a way to specify the type, the fully qualified name, and another way to specify if it's uh, identifying or not, which is a Boolean. So the most common and natural way was like a comma separated uh, value, like you have right. the string literal, the comma, the fully qualified name of the type, comma, and then true or false. We can make this smarter, of course, in a later version, but this is a ba right. the basic idea. Sure. And then, of course, you can like uh, convert uh, parameters from string literals to typed values and vice versa. So I could say dash that, I can use Spring Boot not notation now? You can, yeah. And it doesn't okay. interfere with the Spring Batch notation. So I can use so dash dash schedule dot date equals twenty twenty whatever dash twelve dash twelve comma Java time local date exactly comma true or and false it, yeah is the comma true or false optional yeah it's optional yeah indeed so okay. <laughs> this this level of details I didn't want to 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 talk about it but of course uh, we can imagine some defaults here the job parameters are identifying by default. So the last parameter, right. true or false, can be omitted. Uh, if the parameter is not specified, we assume that it is a string because it's the most used job parameter type. So at right. least you have the key value pair. I think for with Spring Boot, you don't really need this dash dash. Uh, it's key value pairs, and it's OK. You, you, okay. You, have, you have all the information needed in the value. So you don't really need this dash dash thing from Spring Boot. It's key value pairs, key equal value with a specific oh, okay. interpretation of the value, and that's it. Oh, so the, 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 key, the keys and values here are being processed by Spring Batch. Exactly. Yeah. Spring, so, okay. Because Spring Boot has this uh, property source that reads from the command line. And to be honest with you, I always get confused. Is it dash dash or dash D or 
or whatever. I just use dash yeah. dash. But if for, for Spring Bash, this is not required. Cool. That's yeah. even better. I like that. Yeah. Name equal foo um, is a perfect jump parameter, jump parameter there. Perfect. Um, there is you've you've also greatly improved. I don't have to inject job builder factories and step builder factories anymore. I can just use I can use constructors. I can just call job builder passing in the repository and I'm fine now. I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, so there is a huge amount of work that has been done on the configuration side of Spring Batch. And I think right. this is this uh, V5 was the right opportunity to do it because it was a bit confusing in V4 and many people were asking how to simplify this. And the way we did that is uh, trying to be as consistent as other projects in the for, for you as possible. So right. um, the major changes in this area are the way you configure Spring Batch uh, through the enable batch processing annotation. Right. And the second thing is we introduced a new class, a new base class that you can extend to, to configure Spring Batch. So in V4, if you remember, we had to implement uh, an interface called Batch Configurer. So right. this basically was the way to customize Spring Batch. Um, the problem is that uh, you have you have to to add an annotation and also implement an interface to customize yeah. the behavior of the annotation. And this is like so it's a declarative way. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a declarative. When I use an annotation as a user, I want to be as declarative as possible. Enable batch right. processing. I want to use this data source, this transaction manager, this job repository, for example, declaratively. I don't want to go programmatic and implement an interface. So we said, okay, probably this batch configurer is not needed at all. It's it's an indirection that we not we don't need. How about adding attributes in the annotation itself? And uh, if you see, if you see, uh, yeah. The other projects from the portfolio, you have this thing so in right. spring date and so on. So we said, okay, enable batch processing. Let's add a data source attribute, and I can I can point uh, to the data source I want to use, like my uh, in my job repository implementation. I want to use this transaction manager. It's also an, an annotation of the uh, uh, an attribute of the annotation, and so on. So I don't have to implement serializers and everything too. Serializer. Um, uh, table prefix, the encoding, and so on. So now it's much more uh, straightforward, I think. You you add the annotation, you customize it with attributes. You don't have to implement an interface. So this, wow. is, the declar this is the declarative way. And the programmatic way is not by implementing an interface, by extending a default batch configuration class, which contains the basic infrastructure beans, job repository, launcher, and so on. Of course, if you can, if you want to customize things, you just override the method. This right. is the programmatic way. I don't need an annotation here. I want to go programmatic. I, I want to extend things. I want to have complete control. I can override the method, have some conditions there on how to create things and so on. Right. So these are the two ways, which were That's mixed, amazing. Which were a bit mixed in, in Spring Batch 4. So to your point about job builder factory and step builder factory. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you see uh, why we did this, the, the, uh, the idea is that when you see the added value of these two factories, builder factories. <laughs> so here right. you, to create a job, you have a builder and then a factory. So you have a factory that creates a builder and the builder creates a job. So also we said, let's let's see 
what's the added value of the job builder factory. And if you see, it's only setting the job repository on the job. So it's only this. And probably we don't need concepts for that. So right. if I want if I want to build a job, I have the job builder API. What do I need? At least I need the name and the job repository to which the job will be reporting. So right. I can really, I don't have like to make the annotation, inject this job builder factory in my application context Ooh. and then inject this in my bean definition yeah. method and then use the factory cre to create the builder and then use the builder to build the job. You see right. how many, you see, so we said, okay, let's make it simple. Just You have the job builder API, the user, and right. even in terms of lines of code, you, if you do the comparison, it's it's almost the same thing. So uh, I think it's more intuitive now. Uh, yeah, so there are some changes to do if you migrate your app from batch four to batch five. And we have like some uh, code examples in the migration guide. Uh, this should be straightforward. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And, and we're just to round up, round out our uh, review here, because again, there's not enough time to cover everything. Uh, but when you talk about moving to Java 17, there's also Jakarta EE9, um, yeah. which is, you know, you've got Hibernate 6, which now uses that. So, you know, that's a, a new, new opportunity for people. There's also, what else is there? My goodness, there's so much other stuff here. Um, yeah. To better testing support. Yeah, better testing support. We um, we have um, uh, introduced like um, so. There are two things here. Uh, testing support in Spring Batch is via an annotation and also some APIs that allow you to allows you to um, to facilitate right. how to test things. Um, so in in Batch four, we had um, some issues in on how to set up test facilities. Like when you add the enable, uh, not enable, uh, Spring Batch test annotation, things were auto-configured in your test context and they were not working well together. So we tried to remove the auto-wiring of test utilities in the batch, uh, in the test context so that your setup is um, more intuitive and right. not, not, mm, um, I mean, we, we try to reduce as much magic there as possible. So, for example, if you have multiple jobs in your test context, in Spring Batch 4, you had to specify which job to to is under test. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work well. So now, if there is one job, we will auto-wire in the test. Otherwise, we will tell you, please tell us which job you want to test. So these kind of niceties we, we improved in the testing uh, support. We also migrated all our test suites to JUnit wow. 5, which is awesome. This also was a, a contribution by a community member. So really? thank you for that. Yeah, so <laughs> I really I'm really thankful and grateful to to all these persons. Uh these That's a things. huge it, job it, too. A, That's yeah, a it's lot it's of amazing. Work. It, it's amazing. Wow. And I really appreciate the effort there. Uh, so yeah, it's this amazing. is also, yeah, thank you for <laughs> this person. I mean, the, this is also for uh, contributors. So if you want to contribute a feature or a bug fix or something, when you will write right. the test, you will use JUnit 5. So you have all the nice assertions, features, and so on. So it's not only for us, but for the contributors as well. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea. Uh, we are we're uh, so lucky. Best community we ever. Also, yeah. We also use a Docker-based uh, 
integration tests. You know, Batch right. is using a lot of databases. So in the past, I mean, it was before Docker and so on, it was difficult to test things against, against a specific database. You had to install the database on your Oracle machine and run the test and see how it behaves and so on. Now with test containers, which is awesome, and Docker-based tests and so on, we right. improved the way we test our samples, like uh, not not the samples, but at least we have integration tests for our support for many, for all the databases we support with Docker, I mean, with in a Docker container. Uh, so uh, we also plan to update our t- uh, samples to use Docker. Uh, so yeah, this is this is also part of the test improvements we have done. Wow, that's so uh, cool. Yeah, um, I don't even know where to. I mean, we're just it's it's incredible. Uh, uh, another thing that people may not realize is that now the doc. I mean, this is like small stuff. This is unless you are paying attention to this, you won't even know the whole all of the documentation, which is again sixteen years old, has been moved to ASCII Doctor like the Spring ASCII Doctor backend, right? That's huge. Yeah. I'm just, big. I love this. I love it, I love it, I love yeah. it. There's so much cool stuff here. Um, exactly. And uh, uh, also the idea is to make Spring Batch as uh, consistent with the other uh, projects from the portfolio as possible. So you see in terms of APIs, in terms of documentation, the way annotations work and so on, so that people, when they move around from project to another project in the portfolio, they feel at home. It's the same consistent style, consistent documentation, and so on, uh, which is really awesome in the spring work. So, yeah. So cool. Ah, amazing. Um, my friend, you're amazing. I, I, I have, I can reach you. I can, I can talk to you, and you always uh, help. But I think other people would love to be able to talk to you. Are you on the internet? And if so, where can people find you? Um, and do you want? And if you want to be found, first of all, but if you do, where can people find you on the internet? Yes. Uh, so I'm on GitHub, of course. Uh, I think uh, from the batch um, page you can find me. Uh, I use the same handle. I I try to use the same handle uh, uh, in many different places as possible. It's F M Ben Hassin. This is my, uh, okay. I will. And I think um, the easiest way to reach out to me is on uh, Twitter. My DMs are open uh, on GitHub as well, or send me an email. And uh, yeah, I usually, I'm not too much on social media, but yeah, if someone uh, wants to reach out to me, I'm I'm open. I'm, I would be happy to, to help. Okay, wonderful. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today, my friend. It's been a, 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 a true uh, privilege and pleasure. Thank you thank so you. much it's, for everything. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure always. And uh, yeah, I hope people will enjoy Spring Batch 5 as much as we did in developing it. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I should have said, uh, uh, maybe I should have said, je te remercie d'être venu. You know, thank you. Merci à toi de m'avoir invité. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye, everybody. See you. Bye. Bye. A beautiful podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. 
I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.